Welcome to Erotic Wisdom with Mrs. Love. Welcome back to Erotic Wisdom with Mrs. Love. And welcome to a solo cast, also known as Holly Rant with Mrs. Love. <laughs> I haven't done one of those in a very, very, very long time. And I'm pretty excited to be sharing this moment with you. And uh, there is a part of me that tells me I am terribly late with the deliverance of this piece. And another part of me reminds me that is always the perfect moment. So here I am. Time is a perception, it's just a number, and um, erotic wisdom and eroticism cannot express in linear ways, in predictable form. And so, I don't have deadline for my episodes, so I like to keep you in suspense and in excited anticipation <laughs> to when the next episode is going to come, because I also don't know when it's going to come. It's going to come when the time is right and um, when she is ready to gush. So this is the moment. So this um, fabulous episode, it's a follow-up on my last episode called Exploring the Sexual Shadow. And um, in the episode itself, we spoke about the example of sexual shadow. And then I just intuitively came up with this sentence saying, okay, the next episode, I'm going to share with you one of my personal experiences. And, um, and so that's what I'm going to tell you about today. And um, the story goes back about seven years ago, I think. But again, you know, I'm not great with linear expression of time. But I think about that. My daughter was small. And I went into, I participated uh, into a nine days subtle sexuality retreat with Shakti Malan, one of my dearest teachers, and uh, also the founder of the Shakti Shiva Academy that Rian is now the director. Um, and Rian presented the podcast last episode. And so, this carries on in the legacy of uh, Shakti's teaching and how she affected our community. And so how I had this experience of uh, awakening was one of my awakening moments. You know, I think awakening keeps happening. We can have greater awakening and smaller awakening and the awakening is a process. 
And um, so we were in retreat and we, one day, we explored the erotic shadow. And, um, and so Shakti suggested to know what is your erotic shadows. You know, think about something that makes you really hot, but is something you don't easily talk about it. Something that leave maybe in the deep privacy of your being, maybe even surrounded by a little bit of shame. Because, of course, it clearly lives in the shadow. And so I sat there and I thought about it. And I realized that what made me really hot was to be fucked by the devil. And, uh, and so I shared that in the, in the circle. Everybody was called to share. And it was amazing because, you know, we, many of us... Um, were turned on by each other's shameful <laughs> erotic fantasy. Surprise, surprise, you're not alone. <laughs> in your shadow, there is a lot of company in those dark corners. You think you are alone until you go to a retreat and you discover that there are crowds of people with you sharing the same dark desire, which is beautiful because already give you a sense of expansion and when we create space around our shadow we can start exploring it with more breathing space and when we are contracted around it we just freeze halfway through our breathing process and we think we're gonna die because we can't breathe and that's when we stop exploring it that's why I always recommend group work or working this process with a support of a counselor or a therapist or a practitioner or a friend um, but definitely group work I think is really really powerful and so then we went for a break after I shared my desire to be fucked by the devil and uh, and already I mean Shakti invited me to explore the detail of the fantasy you know what does the devil look like? Because, of course, he could look in so many different ways. And, um, and, you know, of course, I'm a Catholic, a good Catholic girl. I was born in Italy. My mother and my father weren't big religious fanatics. I think I hardly ever seen them going to church, but I had to go to church. And there was catechism after school, and the, the religion teachings were really intertwined with all the educational system. So you didn't have to declare yourself a Christian. If you grew up in that environment, Christianity was part of your education. It wasn't even explained to you that this was a spiritual choice, that what was taught to us that that is what life is about. You are Italian, you are Christian. That's how it is. If you were Asian, maybe you would be Buddhist. But you are Italian and you are Christian. And that's very interesting that you're not even presented with spiritual possibility. And so the devil, imagining, is really present in the iconography of Christianity 
because Christianity is extremely dualized, polarized uh, between good and evil. And so you familiarize, I familiarize with the devil from, a very, from the very beginning of, as far as I can remember, that I have learned about God, I've learned about the devil. They were always going hand in hand. It sounds quite funny to say it like that now. <laughs> um, God in its own shadow. <laughs> so I, when I think about it now, you know, I, as I say this, I realize that truly I wanted to make love with God's shadow because I wanted to make love with the totality of the divine with the totality of truth. Hmm? What a peace. I realized that in this moment, as I'm telling you this story, because the story is in the language, no? And when you think that uh, the devil is just God's shadows, it's always with God. And I wanted to receive God in its fullness because I've always been a spiritual being. I've always been passionate about truth. And I wanted it all not just a slice of it, not just the good side of it. I wanted it all, the totality of God. So there is one piece revealed immediately of the treasure in the shadow. But I'll carry on with the story as it went. And so as I go into a break, a lunch break, and then we had a pause, I went into Google and I Google making love Having sex with the devil, I think, or being fucked by the devil, I think I was very literal because the, <clears throat> the fantasy spoke to me in this clear language, these words, I want to be fucked by the devil. And then a lot of image came up, of course, this was not my fantasy alone. I realized in that moment I wasn't the only good Christian girl with this fantasy, but they are millions because I was overwhelmed with the image response of this. But the majority of the picture that I came across, they weren't doing it for me. I was looking at it and nothing was making me hot. Nothing was really stimulating my desire, my emotional body. I was detached by all of them. And so that's the game you can play that Rian mentioned in the last episode, uh, which I really recommend for you to listen to if you haven't yet. Playing the game of hot and cold, and you follow in the hot. So in this instance, the image weren't hot for me anymore. The concept was, but when I was looking at the photograph or the drawing that were appearing for me, that was cold. And so you have to, this is realizing that it doesn't turn you on anymore and so keep searching for what would be then that in this context will turn you on. And I realized what was making me cold was that um, the devil was too pretty. I mean, it was this hunky, spunky, muscle guy with a six-pack and a red latex outfit fucking a woman from behind. And yeah, I, I knew that I needed to take it from behind. Um, but this devil was too spunky and too pretty, actually. 
And in that moment, I realized that my desire laid in the fear of the devil. First of all, he needed to fuck me from behind because I would not dare look at him. Because if I did, it would make me too afraid. He needed to be something that really would scare me. I needed to want to be scared. Can you say that in grammatical English? <laughs> I needed to be scared. That were where the heat was. So when I started to engage in this thought for myself, I could trace the heat again and I was hot again. And so I dwell deeper and deeper in what was creating the excitement in my body, that sense of excited anticipation and terrifying fear, the excitement. And so I knew that is the hot and I was following the hot. And so I started to Google scary, scary devil, <laughs> fucking a woman. And something started to come up. I could see there were some masked being. And I saw some uh, tribal mask from African country that were really scary. And there was a piece there for me. And, um, and then I uh, was done with the computer and I think I couldn't come up with anything more and I closed the computer and I and I just stayed with the meditation that um, I needed to be afraid and so perhaps it needed to be mysterious so I let go of what it would look like and I started to drop more and more in what it would feel like in order to keep the heat going in my being and it needed to be unknown and 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 there was the, the fear and the attraction and so again now with the distance I realized that my desire also the, the the pearl in the desire that I wanted to be penetrated by the unknown by the deep dark mystery by the part of reality that I cannot describe which is also a beautiful dream for a spiritual seeker, you know. And so that's how your eroticism will reflect your spiritual quest too. Um, and that's why the erotic shadow is so important to reveal aspect of your life at large, not just around your sexual life. In fact, for me, for example, in this instance, had nothing to do about my sexual life. I, the, the engaging with this thought fantasy revealed so much more about my spiritual life than my sexual habit. I mean, this is, wasn't something I wanted to create and engage sexually, literally. Well, first because it was the unknown, so it was very difficult for me to, to make it real. But in this instance, that was my peace, and so I knew it couldn't have happened in the flesh. And so furthermore, I realized it was the desire to be penetrated by the unmanifested, by something that is greater than a body, which is a concept. And again, we can go on and on and on by my love of philosophy. <laughs> Many often I, I love to be fucked by 
concepts, philosophical concept and my own thoughts. But anyway, let's carry on with the story. We finish the break and we come back in the session and it's the afternoon or perhaps even it's the next day. This I don't really remember the linearity. Perhaps it was the next day because I remember sitting with this realization for quite a long time that having to be penetrated by something that really scared me because then it meant I wasn't in control. If I was choosing the devil, I wasn't, I would be in control and then I couldn't be afraid. You know, fear comes when we are losing control. And so there was this catch-22 that I couldn't really manifest my fantasy because the moment I would create it, then I would be in control of it. And so I allowed to this to be alive in my being, maybe for a couple of days. And then one afternoon, we are all back into the hall and we're doing this practice of shaking the Kundalini in the body and we're working in partners. And um, in my instance, in the moment, I was the partner receiving and I was receiving the touch of my companion that would press her thumb in a place around my coccyx area. And there, there is a place, a very specific place, it's like a button. Shakti called it the Kundalini button. It is a button because when you go intuitively, the thumb just find a natural ditch there where it just wants to press. It's a symbiotic attraction of the thumb of the supporter and the body of the receiver. The body of the receiver guides the giver. And you know that when the thumb is in that specific point, it's like, ah, that's it. And I'm doing it as I'm talking to you right now. So I want to invite you to do it to yourself as you're listening. Just find this area, maybe, I don't know, five finger above the end of the tailbone, the tip of the tailbone where the iliac bones open, you will find it, keep exploring with the thumb, keep exploring in the thumb, and you know when you find it, because there is a sense of pleasure, slight pleasure, uh, and it's there, the thumb just sits perfectly there. And so my partner starts really applying pressure on this point and also shaking, vibrating the finger, while I was encouraging my body into a shake, an up-down up, motion with some mm, percussion music that was playing in the room that was facilitating my up-and-down shake and my partner pressing the button and me breathing extensively with my mouth open, ah, 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 making a lot of sound. And imagine there was a room full of people. Um, I think we were about 20, 30 people. So there was a lot of sound and intensity coming from the group. And we were turning each other on by the intensity of this practice. And remember, we have already been working on sexuality for days by now. And um, there was this commitment and willingness to really 
overcome our shame and our fear. So we were all really going for it. It was amazing, you know. And in this time where we were all going wild, a troop of baboon approached the meditation hall. Now, this troop of baboon have been living in the area already. We were aware of them. We could hear them from the distance. They were making their sound at night, but they never really came so close. And suddenly they were everywhere around the hall, on the outside. We were very quick to close the window and close the door. And they were, we could hear them running on the roof, the weight of their body, their sound, their breath. And they were clinging on the window, looking, they were aroused. They were definitely turned on. They responded to our movements. And as I sensed the baboon approaching, and I was shaking, breathing, um, expressing my raw, untamed sexuality that in the practice it wasn't directed at anyone and anything was just a unbounded expression of my honest and innocent eroticism. And when I realized that we created this response in the baboon, in the animal, in the beast that arrived, this voice in my head told me, you see, they smelled you. You are so dirty. You are such a beast. Can you see? You're a slut. And all your moaning and shaking, look what you've done. You call to the beast. And immediately this voice spoke to me and I noticed how quickly I was ready to shut it down. And then I took another breath and I held back and I stayed open and I summoned the courage to not contract back into myself. I was like a moment of powerful awareness because we've done all the work in those days. And that's why it's the power of being on retreat because you keep unfolding and unfolding and unfolding and you're not packing yourself back up to go back into the world. And so you're able to now sustain a situation of such an intensity. I don't know if I would have been able to stay so open in my process wouldn't have been there with so many people and so committed to my own uh, sexual freedom. And so instead of contracting, I said no. I almost physically pushed back this voice. I pushed it off my shoulder and I carried on shaking and moaning and say, yes, I call the best. Yes, I am a filthy whore and a slut and you name it. All the filthy archetypal image of what my Christian upbringing would call a woman in her sexual power. 
because this is the language I would use today. I was freeing myself and expressing my untamed sexuality and that's beautiful and that's a gift to the world so much so much so that I created a response from life force from nature from the animal kingdom and they came they answer my call to love this is how I would rephrase everything but the mainstream conversation that was still running in my mind, and maybe it's running in many of your mind as you're listening this, it was very different. It was belittling me. It was abusive towards myself and my natural movement. And I realized that's how I spoke to myself for 40 years of my life, subconsciously. That was the level of internal violence I was exposing myself onto, by myself, towards myself, all self-generated. And so in that moment, I said, no, I stay open. And I kept vibrating and I held the end of my partner there. I said, please carry on, don't stop. And my eyes were open. I forced myself also to open the eyes and look at the baboon <laughs> spying on us from the window, showing us their pink genital, their tongue, their excitement, their arousal. And I mean, other people in the room by now had stopped doing the practice because I mean, that was a moment to behold. We were very present to what was happening. And in that moment, I realized this is my devil, the beast, the interracial sexual encounter. I mean, is there anything more abominable in the Christian upbringing than a woman having sex with an animal? I mean, this is inconceivable, disgusting, dirty, um, that would be worth, what do you call, an exoneration from the circle. I would have been thrown out of my Christian uh, tribe for an action like this. And so I stayed in the light of all this terrifying story that they were so subconscious to me and I realized in that moment, I still held them as true. There was a part of me that still believed, like the one that taught me that this was true. And in this moment, when I was in front of this baboon, I was shedding them and shedding them in the shaking, keeping myself shaking, keeping my heart open, keeping my eyes open and standing for what I knew in that moment was the truth, my truth, the truth of my body vibrating with life, that there was nothing more powerful in my being ever. There never will be anything ever more powerful than my sexual energy vibrating as one with me. I mean, I'm emotional as I'm telling you this because this is true. And I knew in the moment in my body as an experience, this is the truth I wanted to adopt from that moment onward.
And I needed to have my eyes open for that as well. And then someone say, here come the alpha male, we are come the alpha male. And I heard on the rooftop the sound of this heavy, big beast, probably bigger than me, surely bigger than me. I'm, I mean, I'm a very little person. I'm, <clears throat> I am one meter fifty. I'm a very small human being. Definitely an alpha male is bigger than me. And when I heard that the big alpha male is coming, is coming, I shook my whole being again and I thought, he's coming for you, Val. And I noticed how my whole body wanted to shrink and close in and go, oh, no, 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 not me, please go away, leave me alone, going into the little girl. And the greater woman inside of me said, there you are, beloved. You are coming for me. There you are. My erotic fantasy. It was coming for me. And I couldn't see this alpha male because it was on the roof. And so I closed my eyes again and I let it fuck me. Fully, completely. And I had the, one of the most powerful, orgasmic experience. Ever. It was an awakening. It was an initiation. It was the beginning of the rest of my life. It was so powerful. My whole body was vibrating in beauty and joy. And he, this baboon, became a gift of reality. The reality could meet me in my desire so that my sexual desire could bring me growth and spiritual growth and human expansion, um, maturity, and this wonderful experience of vibrating with such freedom in my body. And in that moment, I knew that no priest, no patriarchal story will ever... Uh, I here, here I need to check my language because I give them the power of my sexuality. Yes, of course, we can say I was a child and I was growing up and they educated me in such way. So in a sense, they took my power. But maturity also reflects this ability to take responsibility. So my language needs to be appropriate. So it's not for them to never take my power is for me to never again give my power to outside concept and idea and masculine linearity of concept and life. And so from the feminine perspective, why making love with nature is so abominable? There are many human beings are much worse than beasts than animal <laughs> and many animals are much more devoted in love than human so why shouldn't we make love with nature in any way we deem fit 
And, you know, I'm just going to bring this up because I know that many of you that are listening to this right now, you perhaps have had a sexual encounter with your pet animals, with your dog and your cat. Many stories I've heard of people allowing the dog to lick their genitals and it felt good and that was real before the mind intervened and judged that experience as doomed abominable, I don't know if this is the right word, unacceptable, shameful, and then we contracted back against our own self. We created an internal split. That's when part of our self we relegate into the shadow. Our child self that maybe have had this experience with a, a dog that you loved, you honestly, truly love, and the dog definitely loved you. And for the dog, there is no differentiation of expressing their love. And then we put in the shadow that little child that was just following the pleasure of his or her own body. And in that, it was following wisdom, the erotic wisdom of the body. Before a theory, a concept, a school of thought, a religion came to tell them that it wasn't acceptable. So, take a moment to feel into this and take a deep breath. And I'm feeling for every child that went through this experience and it was made believe it was absolutely wrong. And I want you to invite that child back. Like in that moment, I invited my own wild child back. My powerful, erotic, wild expression. I own it and invited back and I claimed it. I am this. And in that moment, I felt so alive. And it was a multidimensional experience because I really felt me and this baboon that I've only heard and sensed, I didn't even see with my own eyes. It was at once with me, it was coming to answer my spiritual search. And we had the most beautiful lovemaking in that moment. It was my own lovemaking with the wild aspect of my sexuality. It finally came home. And you know, a lot of predator that I had inside of me that I played out in a lot of my young years when I was in my big 20, 30s, up to my 40, because I was in my 40 already by then. I realized that a lot of my sexual manipulation, that harm, men and women around me because of my unconscious sexual manipulation, that unconsciousness was coming out so distorted because I was avoiding and denying this passionate, untamed self. Because the good Christian girl would never allow this to be true in her being. And then, instead of being 
pure in its expression, it became contaminated and contorted and twisted. And that's what manip sexual manipulation is about. When it's offered and is expressed, there is no manipulation because it's so innocent almost. There are no secrets. It's all out there in the light. There is no shadow. And so that was one of the most empowering moments that I had in my sexual awakening. And I remember the days to come when I would go alone to the pond, sitting at the pond, and I could hear the baboon calling each other in the mountain. I don't know if growling is the right word, but they would make all the animalistic wild noises and I know they were close and I know that perhaps were coming closer and I would still notice that part of me that would want to close in and walk away and I would take a deep breath and stay sitting and say bring it on I am here beloved nature divine design and I'm ready to receive love in all its form. Even in the shape of a baboon that maybe wants to come close to me and wants to meet me. And I was prepared to meet the arousal of a baboon in whichever way it would require of me. And I know this perhaps is a little bit extreme. I am known to be extreme. But you know, I wanted to know. I wanted to go into the real, directly into the real, without having any story that would stop me. The body doesn't lie. If there would have been arousal in my body, an arousal in the baboon body, let's play for the experience to be lived, not to be told or shown or to use to shock anybody. And of course, reality decided otherwise, and the baboon never came. And I sat there shaking and shivering. It wasn't like a simple choice, but I was willing. And a nature chose differently. And yeah, we never had a physical encounter. But my work was done, was done the day before inside the hall. That was the revelation, that see the extent where my sexual shadow, that which I held in the shadow, that I held with a lot of energy into a contraction of shame, once it got liberated, the same amount of energy I used to hide it became available to my life to support my expansion, to support my liberation. So much energy now available for me to enjoy my life, to be present in my life, to be empowered in my sexuality. Ah, so this is it. I went much longer than I thought I was going to. I thought it was going to be a 15-minute story. And here we are, 40 minutes later, 
gosh, the stories of our life. So I offer this story to you. I'm hoping you can hold it with respect and honoring in the way I offered you my vulnerability and my truth because I know that when we come from this place we naturally honor and respect each other. We're passing the truth from hand to hand and is the most tender pearl. It's like a newborn baby. We're not going to drop it. We're not going to throw it. We're not going to be loud around it. So make use of this story in any way that you can. Maybe you have some very similarity and I hope this story will inspire you to explore your sexual shadow. And let me know if you do reach out. I would love to hear how this story inspired you and empowered you who gave you the courage to follow your own heat, do that game, hot and cold, hot and cold, and know that you're not alone. <sighs> there is a crowd of people out there with you in, your, in the dark corner of your erotic shadow. You can actually have a party. <laughs> and also not to take anything too seriously, you know, not too seriously. This is a story I laughed a lot about. I told many friends, you know, because now it's not in my shadow. I don't have to hold it as a secret and I don't have to use my energy for it. And I can use it as a sort of effervescent joy now. And uh, it's much better, I promise you. It's much more liberating. All right. So I'm going to wrap it up quickly, sending you lots of blessing and asking you the question I always ask to my guest on the podcast. You can ponder on this question. Is life a dream or dream help you to live better? Hmm? Think about that and keep showing up to erotic wisdom. Sending you lots of love. You can find the podcast on my website, eroticwisdom.org. And catch up with all the old episodes. And whatever you find out, describe as an Oli rant. It's this me talking to myself, basically. <laughs> Ranting about my spiritual journey. All right. Mwah. Take care. I love you.
Oh. Uh-huh.